Gaming on the Frontier. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. And this is Blix. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about what happens for all those other interdimensional explorers who aren't from Earth Prime. Maybe they're neighbors. Maybe they're farther away. And we're not just talking about fringe gypsies. Although we might mention them. All right. So when you say they're not from Earth Prime, okay, are they in the Commonwealth or are they somewhere else? Well, that's something we can discuss, because what got this topic started in my head was I'm currently working on my Fringeworthy campaign, and I wanted to have that moment of rediscovery, but in a twist, not having the full support of the world's governments and scientific experts helping you. So for my campaign, it's a small tech company that has discovered the fringe paths. And they are very secretly hiring the few fringe-worthy they can find to explore the fringe pass and figure out how it's working. And they have their own agenda, which comes up later in the campaign. But that's why I wanted to talk about this topic. I wanted to get ideas for a new group of explorers who have no connection to IDET, no idea what's going on. They might eventually discover IDET, but at least at the start, they are fresh and we do not have the UN backing them. Okay. So are, uh, do they have a crystal to find these people or are you using another method? In my campaign, they do have a, a few crystals provided to them by an, another engineer, not Schmirt. So ah. a, a Tamellan engineer came through and said, here's some crystals. Pretty much, yeah. It has <laughs> to do with the backstory. Yeah, le- it has to do left. with the backstory of how this... It's a long story, but basically this tech company was founded by fringe refugees from a Mellor hell. Oh. Okay, so they, they're right. already starting off with a large stock of fringeworthy. Well, that's the problem. These I decided in this case, maybe only one of the actual refugees was fringeworthy. The rest were saved by an engineer, by the same engineer. They were put in stasis, rescued from this mellow hell, and dropped off at the nearest prime. Okay. All righty. So, uh, all right. So, what you know? Uh, do you have a list of examples of the different kinds of things you think of, or are you just going to throw it out at us? Well, that's why what, what we what what ideas have we come up with as for non fringe non idet uh, uh, fringe really expo- exploration. Exactly. I'm, I'm kind of getting a survey here of what have, what are some of the other ideas you guys have used okay. for non-IDET campaigns. Okay. But before we do that, uh, you want to give the uh, elevator pitch on what Fringeworthy is for all of our listeners who've happened onto our podcast and don't actually play Fringeworthy. Absolutely. So Fringeworthy is interdimensional exploration on a million, million worlds. You typically... And the standard campaign are just an everyday Joe living your life on Earth. When you f- are informed that you are that one in a hundred thousand trait that makes you eligible to explore 
this interdimensional transport system. Yeah, and and what when you say interdimensional exploration, what what does that actually? I mean, not how, but what <laughs> what is it that make makes it interdimensional? What what is that? What does that a, really mean? A thousand, thousand, thousand alternate worlds, parallel Earths, Earths where things weren't a little different. Maybe they're a little bit behind in time. Maybe they're a little bit ahead in time. Maybe they are in a different place in time. Maybe they're not orbiting the same sun that we're used to. Maybe they're monkeys or spiders instead of humans. Okay. All right. So you want suggestions? Please send oh, them. All right. What do we got? So to me, you know, the, the uh, 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 basically stealing uh, from a Heinlein novel, uh, uh, the family exploration team, okay? Because uh, here, you know, and that could either be somebody who knows about the portal and essentially, especially a, a female explorer who has come, she raises a family, she goes through the portal so that her kids are going to be fringe worthy. And then eventually, you know, um, she has raised, you know, she might be now the, the, the grandmother you know, but or whatever, she's raised enough people that she can basically take them through as, you know, mom and perhaps she, she finds another fringe worthy to be dad, you know, or whatever. And uh, and now they can go exploring as a family. Okay. That's one possibility. Another possibility is is that they have a crystal. And as we know, crystals have five percent per year. Uh, 1%. 1%. 1%. I'm sorry. 1% yeah. per yeah. year incrementing, though. So yeah. 1% the first year, 2, 3, 4, 5, until, until you become fridge-worthy, as long as you are in, you know, you've been handling it a lot, okay, essentially. It's not like I hand it to you and you galvanize and keep on going. Uh, you actually have to have it on you for a while. So this could be a family relic, and before you know it, the entire family, you know, in their adulthood or whatever are now fringe worthy because, you know, after, you know, 10 years, there's a really, I mean, if you think about a bunch of people, that's a, that's actually a pretty good chance of uh, people becoming fringe worthy. So uh, you, so you therefore have a family. And of course, if somebody develops the ability to use the crystal, then they can start using it to find people who are fringe worthy and bring them back. And you know, join the group or whatever, and uh, and 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 then go explore. This assuming, of course, knows that they know where a portal is. Maybe whoever gave them the crystal appears one day and says, "Hey," he says, "Did you know about this strange thing in this cave over here? You ought to check it out." And then vanishes again. You're not like poof, <laughs> but I mean, just like you know, leaves and you never see them again. You know, uh, that's a uh, so the family exploration group is another possibility you know they don't know anything about the french pass they don't know anything about anything they just simply go they find the portal they go through you know, you know the second one is less than the first one because the first one you assume that they're an explorer of some kind who's gone left one world gone to another gone right. rogue from some organization and basically found their own little private idaho to uh to, to basically raise a family on and eventually go back to you know the the uh, fringe pass so that's my idea. Family exploration team. Uh, you can uh, give them whatever reason you want for exploration. Um, could be just to do it. 
could be like, you know, this is the way we're going to make our fortune. You know, uh, yeah. uh, it could be that uh, bad things have happened in the in the in the country, in the world. And and it's now, you know, it's, uh, heading off to the uh, uh, onto the French bath seems like a better future for your your children and yourself than hanging around here where, you know, many bad things could happen to you. So uh, that, that's one of my ideas about what an alternate thing could be. Trav, you got something? I usually would do a lot of the times that I would introduce Fringeworthy to a campaign. Like I, I made a superhero campaign and it was on the Metro Ambush world. And I want to say it was in the negative 120s where a bunch of fringe pirates came through at Pittsburgh Airport, shot everybody up and left. Well, then you have to investigate, and then you get that one player character or whatever says, wait a minute, there's something here. And, you know, they go through, and so the team is formed. They try to find other people with the quantum signature. Uh, let's see. My Star Trek on the Kelvin campaign. I had a Termelon engineer through and just appeared in the alley behind the bar where Kirk got his butt kicked in the 09 film. Federation <laughs> took him in, and now there is a secret branch traveling the fringe paths and they've been to a couple of the worlds already i've introduced a bit of the melor and i've also thrown other things at them which they're realizing okay we really have stepped in it there's things out here as as seasoned space travelers that we you know couldn't imagine um and because they're uh what i did is i flipped the prime and the alt so there's eight portals on this world now and one of them I put on Borneo, so they're getting sort of a DS9 vibe from it, because now they're going to have to deal with people coming in and new cultures and fringe gypsies and whatnot coming into this new world that has opened admittance to the paths. Uh, let's see, what other campaigns have run? Mm. Well, let's go back to Jonathan. Jonathan, okay, you got another one? Oh, actually, um, let's ask our guest. Yeah. Blitz, no kidding. Do you yeah. got one? I do, I do. We did a lot of uh, of a lot of we did a lot of Frenchworthy when I was younger, and um, we played a lot of different games, a lot of different like actual systems. So we, you know, cyberpunk and vampire and all these different games. Uh, and, and you know, nine times out of ten, we would get bored with whatever setting we were in after a while of playing. So six months down the road, we're playing cyberpunk and um, we're itching to do something else. But we like our characters, so we would just introduce Fringeworthy, and then we'd off we'd go. So one of my favorites, uh, you know, mentioning Cyberpunk, one of my favorites is we were playing a, a Cyberpunk campaign, and we were having a really great time at it. Um, but we kind of like we wanted to do some other stuff, you know, we wanted to go into space and do all kinds of stuff. So uh, our characters were driving through. I still remember driving through the Arizona desert, and there was one of those, um, you know, those stone. Uh, you, know, you have all these like uh, areas left behind by the glaciers that ate away the land. You've got like these stone, all these stone formations out there. Well, there was one that was an arched stone, and uh, the way we didn't know this, but I mean, we knew it because as players, because we played so much Fringeworthy. But there was actually a ring inside of that shape that was spinning inside the shape. But if you walked, if you went through it, now I don't know if that would really work, but that's how the game master set it up. But uh, but at any rate, so we drove through and we were out on the French paths and we started exploring. Um, a couple things to think about with that is is uh, another thing that, that got glossed over was the whole uh, being Frenchworthy. Uh, we we were all Frenchworthy, of course. Which mm -hmm. what are the odds? 
that a party <laughs> of of people who randomly came together in a cyberpunk world would all be fringeworthy. Um, if we'd have known about the the eighty eight miles per hour rule, we probably could have just said that we were. He could have probably set it up to where we were running from somebody. Uh, and I'm sorry, the, it's not eighty eight miles per hour. What is it? What's the speed? <laughs> it's two hundred and eighty miles per hour. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was a lot less than that. Yeah, well, Richard basically decided to retro, you know, retcon sometime later. But the fact mm. is, is that I have I have letters and things like that where he basically said it was about 280 miles per hour. So okay, on the okay, uh, I'm I'm lost here. What is this about? About we're, we're talking and... about induced fringeworthiness. Yeah, the safety feature. If you go through the portal at a certain speed, you all become fringeworthy. Right. Oh, I never again, folks. See, I've been doing this for a while, and I learned something new every every episode. Oh, okay. wow! I thought okay. it was less than that because wasn't there a time like a, a train went through it? And yeah, but that know. that had one person on it who was fringeworthy. The only person on it that was fringeworthy. Everybody else went piling out onto the tracks at thirty-five miles an hour. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Well, anyway, so that was the great train wreck. That was an infinite crossroads. So we. At any rate, so we we were friends where we started traveling the the pathways, and of course there was no big impact to the cyberpunk world because in cyberpunk you know it, it's it you don't think about the the you're not really thinking about the goodness of humanity you know it's 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 yeah. really like you know uh, all all for or was it um one for one and, and no one for anyone else uh, we would like as we like to call it the jack itself up party so we were. We weren't going to ever go tell the government about it, you know, because the government's corrupt anyway in cyberpunk. So we kind of kept that secret to ourselves. And so we would come back to the cyberpunk world. and We'd have things like laser guns and, you know, crazy stuff. I remember at one point we went to Robotech and I brought back uh, Cyclones. So we were, ah, riding, yeah. we were riding around in Night City on Cyclones. And um, so it was kind of cool. It, it, that, that was kind of a neat campaign. Um we did encounter Earth Prime, and they, it, to us, they were the bad guys because they're trying to be the good guys. But we're, we were like, I mean, we were French pirates if ever there was one. Um, but you know, the game master did he did throw some stuff at us. Uh, at first, we had problems with cyber limbs because we didn't, you know, they weren't um, the yeah. ones that we had were not like biologically powered. Right. Um, so you know, we went through and like one guy's arm just kind of stopped moving. Uh, someone else went blind because they had cyber eyes. Um, yeah, that's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we we had to figure some stuff out. We we wound up paying some extra money and having somebody like make like biologically fed, you know, like like fed the in, fed off the body's bio energy, uh, so that we could actually go down the the French pass without that kind of stuff happening. Um, so it it was interesting. It was a fun campaign. Cool. All right. Because yeah, I was going to ask about that. It's like, what what happens? What if, if there's I'm cyberpunk? You're talking about cybernetic limbs and everything. So mm-hmm. what happens when that electricity's gone? Yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> again, it depends. Like, it depends yeah. on how you, you your your cybernetics work. Like, do you do your cybernetics run off your own bioenergy, or does it have some kind of battery in it? Right. right. But even if they did, there's still going to be electronics, and the electronics are going to go down. So it's right. more like ten minutes later on the world, suddenly your leg starts working again. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. But if 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 you got a artificial heart, you're you're boned. Yeah. So we, yeah. We finally, I think what I think, I, I can't. You know, it's been a long time. This is over twenty years ago, but I think we um we wound up having to get rid of our cybernetics, or, or we chose to, and got you know meat parts again, and then we found um found another world that had uh, biomechanical parts. 
it was a different it was like a, a, an alternate to cyberpunk uh, but they were super expensive and the, that world only took gems if i remember correctly how the, the game master ran it so uh basically you know we started doing jobs uh no they just no it was just it was just biomechanical like it was no no, um, no i'm saying gems like transparent aluminum which is actually you know another word for sapphire oh is it okay no <laughs> yeah sure okay all right yeah. no we just we started doing jobs for people and just like they would say all right how much do you want it's like i don't you know it's got to be in gyms and they're like gyms why you need to pay us in gyms and we would just like get these bags and bags and went on D D adventures and um, ah, get, yeah. we would get gems. We get everything in gems, and and then go and get get these biomechanics. It was interesting. It was a very cool campaign. We we did it for probably two years. It was one of our best. Well, that sounds right. great. Okay, so we uh, it's your turn, Jonathan, again. All right. So another uh, campaign I've had an uh, idea I've had in the past, and and it's only been in the past few years since I've discovered the existence of the fringe train that made me think, oh, I might be able to make this work. Um, but the idea of being lost on the fringes, like rightfully lost, not just, um, what world is this? No, it's like, what direction is Earth Prime? Right. I can't remember. We'll never find it. Dude, You'll that happens to us all the time. But yeah, the idea I had um, originally was actually stealing from you, Bruce, um, and having one of the characters be psionic and have the ability to world jump using psionics. Uh-huh. Um, but... In order to kind of keep a little bit of a limit on it, they they would cost so much energy that they would pretty much knock themselves out any tried, time they tried to use it. So they wanted to be very sparing with use. But then I found out that the fringe train exists, and at that point it's like I can just have in. I mean, pretty much any campaign, no matter what start I use, if it's I dead on on Earth Prime or anywhere, they get hold of a fringe train. They don't know how to run it. All of a sudden they find themselves on the T prime platform right. or anywhere else. I want them. You'll never find your way home. If you, if you get on it and just basically say, what does this do? And just exactly. shove the lever. Yeah. You will never find your way home ever. This is your life. Now you are now, you are now a, a wandering fringe gypsy, right? Or pirate, however you want to do it. There's actually only one possibility of this as like they, they did on the one world where they, it was, it was actually uh forgotten realms, but there was, uh, spell jammers and spell jammers took them to Corinne and Corinne was actually close enough to Earth Prime that that when they came out and they went to a couple of worlds they said wait a second this matches up to our fringe maps I know where we are <laughs> but they started <laughs> off 130 platforms uh, yeah, nodes yeah. out and there's no way they would have found it otherwise yeah so yeah coolness right <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and because when you're lost you have to worry about so much more that you don't have to worry about when you're with IDET or any other organization. You have to feed yourself. You have to equip yourself. You have to hide yourself when you anger the wrong fringe pirate. What happens so when much you more. anger the right fringe pirate? <laughs> just don't anger fringe pirates. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> blanket rule. Yeah. Especially not ones from Cyberpunk, because that is not a good <laughs> that's not a good day. Unless you unless you know you can, you know, lead them to a world that's nothing but Melor Hell, then you know, just make them happy well that's kind of what they did i mean a, a couple of scenarios i ran they basically created what that what we refer to as honeypots which was you know places that were designed to take out the 
the the French pirates, and then they went out and started telling gypsies and various people, hey, you know, they found a you know a, a gem mine on this one alternate. It's like fifteen out from here at number number twelve. Oh. Yeah. Like, sure enough. <laughs> Well, that would have got us. It didn't take that long <laughs> before someone starts nosing around. All right. Um, uh, I have another one, which is okay. not really scenario-based. It's more like who, not not what. Uh, but I think it'd be fun. And that is uh, one of the worlds that we're exploring right now in my in our Fringeworthy campaign is the one that has intelligent dinosaurs. So a group of intelligent dinosaurs is now on the Fringe Pass exploring. <laughs> <laughs> and you know i mean you know you get to tip i mean if you watch you can go full-blown um uh the land before time you got pterodactyls you got <laughs> you know you you got the the, the you know the the meat eaters the the whatever you can do that if you want to um as long as you understand of course that um you know, there is no water on the fringe pass. So unless, of course, you're you're in one of those parts of the fringe pass where they've decided to do weird things with the fringe pass, like just have it watery. You can do that. I mean, the fringe pass don't have to be flat. They could be concave. They could be filled with water. I mean, there's air in the fringe. You know, uh, in the you know when you're breathing air, there's water in it. Where'd that water come from? You know, it Some, came from somebody's, the, system. the system. Somebody's research grant said they needed a concave bowl-shaped platform. Well, we've talked about actually having a a, a fringe campaign where they're lit, where every, it's actually waterways. And, you know, they're 32 feet wide. And it's basically just big, some big canal system. It's not actually roadways. And, uh, and, and people are traveling up and down it on boats. You know, pulling themselves along or whatever, you know. Uh, and, um, you know, it's just a different way of looking at it, you know, and, and, and the, and, the, and, and there's actually a breeze. So you, you know, whatever, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's up to the GM. I mean, the, the system is built a certain way, but a lot of the configuration aspects are part of the automated system of, of production. So it doesn't have to be like that. It's just, that's just the standard, you know, right. you, know you can feel free to break from that. Any engineer with the right tools and right location could just flip the right switch and poof. Oh, no, I, I could see it, you know, when we do the ramps, you know, you put the key in the center of the plat, the all platform and the four ramps appear and you go up and you go up or down to the next platform and the next set of fringe paths. It's like, okay, we're on basically a metal round dock and there's a canal running around to all the portals. Someone comes through the portal with some Venetian gondolier, you know, just <laughs> with the pole singing Santa Lucia, you know. <laughs> and we're going back down to the other one. Yeah, with the roads. Yeah. But anyways, I like the idea that, you know, I mean, everywhere they go, everyone always looks at them and goes, you say, oh, it's dinosaurs. And some people are like, let's protect them. I mean, what, what uh, uh, cryptological refuge did they come from? And, and a whole lot of other people are like, this is my one and only chance to bag a dinosaur. So, you know, it just adds all kinds of extra stuff, you know. So, you know, that's, that could be, that could be fun, you know, just, just from that aspect. And it's not even, I mean, we're not saying that they have to come from a primitive, you know, five, five, you know, 50 million years before, you know, uh, common era situation i mean they it could be like dinotopia where they actually have intelligent dinosaurs and a culture and civilization so but they're you're a dinosaur 
you're not a human out there exploring. Oh, and, now you just reminded me of that horrible Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, see, yeah. The, oh. Yeah. <laughs> With the alternate Earth where the dinosaurs had lived and evolved. and See, Dennis, Dennis, Dennis Hopper, Hopper, is, Hopper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, is, is, is playing, you know, the Bowser. Yeah, you betcha. So, anyways, uh, so that's that's another one of my ideas about an alternate uh, thing. Uh, okay. Trav, next? you got another? Hmm? What? Hmm? You got any other ideas, Trav? Oh, let's see. Let's see. We did Having Upon a Robotech Superhero. God, I'm trying to remember all the campaigns I've run. Right. Um, I, got one. I got one while you're thinking about it. Okay, all right. So we... Um, uh, oh, shit. What's the name of the game? It's not Hardwire Hunter Land. It's the one where you're traveling through space on a plot on a on a, a weird incursion. Zone. Incursion. Weird no, zone. No, no. Weird zone. Weird zone. Right. Weird zone. Sorry. Yeah. So we we tried Weird Zone with a campaign we were doing, um, and it was interesting. We were having fun with it, and the game master decided that the space that they were traveling through in Weird Zone, and I don't know if this is in the book because I didn't read it. But it was actually traveling through like French space, and it, the 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 plot, um, hit one of the hit one of the platform, not platform, the the um, pathways. So one of the the fifty. What, what is it? Um, so you got your platforms. You got your. What are the what are the paths called in between? Oh, the, the roadways. Paths. The roadways hit one of the yeah. roadways, and it was stuck on there. And it, as as the plot point was cutting across it, it was going across it slow. We jumped off. And uh, started exploring it, and um, and all of a sudden the plot point or the the um, is, it, is it, what is it not plot point? What is it? It's a um, called what is zero that thing plots. called? Your zero plot. That's zero. it. Okay. Sorry. So the zero plot, <laughs> all of a sudden it broke free and shot off, and we were trapped on the on the uh, the pathway because the game master was trying to transition us from that to Fringeworthy because we've been doing that for a while. Um, so there we were. And, um, now, now we're on, and we're, you could just forget about going home because we don't, we have no clue where we are or well, what's going on. Well, you were already without a home considering you yeah. were on in weird zone. Right. So we went mm. from weird zone to fringeworthy. So like talk about being hopelessly lost. That was it. But it was cool. Then, then we started getting into, to, um, you know, traveling the fringe paths and stuff from there. So we came at it from a completely weird direction. Yeah, already, yeah, already like interdimensional castaways, and then mm-hmm. now you don't even have your own house anymore. No, no, yes. The, the game master was like, nope, this is the only place you can get off that, that zero plot and not get sucked back to it. Like, if you jump off here, that's it. It's broken because it, you're in the space that it uses or something. And I was like, that's that was actually a really cool idea. I, I had to... I gave him kudos on that one. I was like, man, I, I would have never thought of that. That's pretty badass. Oh, let's see. I found I had to dig through. Oh, God, what were campaigns I ran? So I had to, on a, on a journal hard drive, if you heard that, boop, doop, doop, that was me plugging in the hard drive. And I had three campaigns that all had to do with Fringeworthy. One of them was, it was a fantasy campaign, but the world was a lab world of a Termellern scientist named Guadria, who basically said, Oh, I found this world nobody's using. I'm going to create races akin to fantasy races and just let it go from there. And so these fantasy people who later found out that their creator ascended and actually became a goddess 
they found the paths and they got lost on them for a while and then came back. And I've used two. One of them was my Star Wars campaign that I ran years ago that I've since touched upon in the Star Trek one. Because uh, Fur plays a man. She doesn't know much about Star Trek. So, well, can I play a Mandalorian armor? And I'm like, yeah, sure. She can tag along with the Termellern to the Star Trek world. So both of those were somehow fringe slavers have kidnapped you. And the escape happens. So you're already gone from your world. And yeah, well, you know, during all the ruckus, you dive through an alt platform portal that's open. And now you're a stranger in a strange land. You are fringe worthy. You know this portal's here. And just, yeah, I use that for two campaigns. The Star Wars campaign where later, because they were on a star platform, so they were bouncing between the Prime and Portals 4, which was known as Omrun, and I put it equidistant from Tatooine and Geonosis, the um, the planet in Episode 2 where Mace Windu killed Jango Fett. Mm-hmm. That world. So yeah. they went to another world that had tribal African, and they helped raise the technology of all that. And then the other campaign that had the fringe slaver caravan, one of them was a Robotech captain, and he ended up basically making like a garrison on this fantasy world because he helped lift the technology there. And I, they got pretty high up in the tech levels as they were building up because I was using campaign building rules. So yeah, that, that seems to be a gimmick of mine Fringe slavers expose you to the fringe paths. I've never honestly thought about. That. I keep forgetting that 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 is still an option. Is you can be Shanghai into fringe worthy. Yeah. Well, the cop. Well, the Coptics did it. That's how they gained yeah. uh, quote unquote conscripts. Yeah, I keep forgetting that it, that is also an option. Hey, well, well, Chris was lighting up near you. Hey, come be yeah. my friend. No, come yeah, be my friend. No, come be difference. my friend. Yeah. The only difference between a pirate and a slaver is what they steal. Yeah. Pirates, it's goods. Slavers, it's people. But there's one of the same. It's just this pi- a fringe slaver is just a sub category of fringe pirate. Sure. Yeah. yeah so. Probably not, cares a little bit more about. You're not wrong. <laughs> or what's that line from Falcon Winter Soldier? He's out of line, but he's right. Yeah. 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 There you go. All right. Uh, now, we've already kind of mentioned this at the beginning. Okay. So you, when you talk about campaigns, there's, you know, you, you, know, you ask about what's, what's, who's sponsoring you on this, on this ex- exploration thing. Okay. Uh, in the case of the, uh, of the Edwardians, which was originally the uh, Victorians, uh, which is a non-Earth Prime uh, campaign. Uh, it was done by the Crown. Uh, uh, once the the, uh, uh, the 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 guy who is the uh, uh, lord over the central part of Africa basically informed the, the Queen that that yes, uh, there's this strange artifact and I can go through it. So uh, the the entire organization that came up, the Humpties, otherwise known as Taeus, uh, trans, uh, uh, Humpties is Her Majesty's, um, uh, ex, um, uh, hump, uh, uh, 
I think uh, tra uh, uh, trans uh, etheric services, yeah. trans trans expeditionary services, and Teus is uh, uh, say something similar. Uh, I think it's trans trans etheric yeah. survey service. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we've had two different names, but the point still is it was being it was being basically government supported. Okay, which is. Um, then there's the one you mentioned where is, there's a corporation that's basically uh, doing it for either, you know, they're, they're out there looking for technology and things like that to, to basically introduce as a corporation to their own world. Right. They're, they're getting you going. Mine, you know, the one I suggested was merely just a, a family that decided to, uh, you know, strike out as, as some of the early families did uh, back in the uh, 18, 17, 1600s. It's just, you know, just uh, take a chance, you know, to go and, and explore it into a strange new world. Um, there's, um, so, you know, there, uh, it, could, it could also be a religious order. I was just about to say, yeah. Like the Coptics, yeah. Like yeah. the Coptics, okay. Uh, which, though the Coptics are, in fact, the government, it just happens to be a theocracy. But it could also just be like some, uh, uh, you know, a, a monastery that, uh, uh, that has found this, this uh, relic and uh, they are, uh, you know, following their ancient writings about, you know, sending worthy people through. How do you know they're worthy? How do you know they're touched by God? They make this crystal glow. You know, mm -hmm. so <laughs> yeah. they do that. And, you know, you've mentioned the fact that you don't even have to have, you, you know, you can either find them by using the crystal and use the fine fringe worthy. You can, you, uh, now, of course, what we talked about before with uh, 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 the most recent, the Savage Worlds edition, uh, you can, uh actually use the crystal to find the portal. So here you have people that are making the crystal glow and they don't know what to do with it. But then one person suddenly says, you know, I feel this yearning to go in this direction. I don't know why, but just <laughs> something seems like it's there. And oh no, finding portals is in the D21 too. Right. But the point still is, is that yeah. you know, it's like finding Fringeworthy, except it's finding the portal. So as you, so if you, if you want to do it organically, you know, as you, develop as finding Fringeworthy, you know, just because, because it doesn't actually provide any real benefit, um, then so, as you get better at that, suddenly you begin to notice that there's another thing you think you can, you can detect and you find the portal that way. So, you know, really it's, you know, just throwing a crystal out into a population might be enough to generate, you know, its own little thing, you know, like that. I'm actually seeing now using that idea of the of the family. Um, I have this idea now of uh, like a royal a, li a lineage a royal lineage of maybe not royal but they're a lineage of protectors and they they're the only ones who can make this holy relic glow and so that gives them special pr uh, privilege within their society and then after a few generations one of them who's made the you know the the latest in the long line of protectors feels that pull and goes, oh, wait, I, f I think I want to go. I'm feeling a call, a holy call in that direction. And then they find the portal and then the adventure begins. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, you know, like, so the, the, <clears throat> the whole big system collapsed some time ago. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe all the, the, the people in this world used to travel it on a regular basis. Um, 
and they they you know they they knew all the ins and outs of this, but you know over the generations that knowledge got lost or um, you know and also being that not everybody could go on it anymore, you know, it was limited to a certain amount. Maybe they thought that it was shut down because now all these people that could go on it can't. Um, I don't know, just maybe it, you know, over time it just evolved into this, this religion, you know, so that there's this, there, the, it's, you know, it's not even called fringe where they're, they don't even talk about it as Tremelin, you know, it's the old ones or the ancient ones. And, and, um, you know, the ability to do these things, the trainings for how to use the crystal, what the crystals are, all that stuff has fallen into this, um, this actual like religious type thing where they think of it in more of a spiritual way as gods and, um, you know, as the divine and that, that this is like another, uh, plane of existence. It is another plane of existence in, in, in reality, but thinking of it in more of a spiritual kind of less thinking of it in sciencey dimensional way and more of like a spiritual, uh, pathway. Mm-hmm. So maybe they view it from a, from a spiritual magic-y kind of sense rather than a science sense. Oh yeah. I could easily see that, especially on a world that was not very well populated to begin with it was like one of those like nature reserve worlds Mm -hmm. or or small amusement park worlds where the population wasn't that big to begin with when everything shut down or the meller attacked right and they actually happened to win but in winning you know the the win wasn't a a clean win so pyrrhic victory and so yeah 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 oh yeah hey well they're perfect meller are perfectly happy to go for the pyrrhic victory I mean, after all, <laughs> you know, they're all Tweedledee and Tweedledum, so, you know, they, they don't mind dying because there's a lots more of them. Well, yeah. As long as I take you not, down with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, as I've, I've always told, you know, when we were gaming, um, and somebody would say, well, you know, if, if a Meller's gotten into here, how are we going to find him? I'm like, well, there is one weakness that a Meller has. They will always do, they will always try to take over. They will always do the evil thing. So we can use that. So that's what we'll use. We'll look for those signs and the people doing it. If you, so if, you, if that's what you're looking for, you should be able to find them. You know, they're, they're going to be the person who's doing something different, you know, like or because um, they're not going to be able to do the same thing. You know, there's going to have to be some change in someone's personality if they've taken them over because that person can't continue. If, they, if they've risen to a big position, they can't continue to do the things they were doing the way they were doing them before because they're trying to take over. So they're going to start making different moves. Um, so that's what you got to look for. And if you know what to look for and you're you're well trained, you can you can figure it out. And we actually talked about like what would happen if Melor invaded Earth Prime. What two episodes ago? One episode ago? No, that was uh yeah yeah it was yeah 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 it was Melor like, on Earth Prime yeah right. yeah. So because tune into that episode. because they and they're not smart whether or not. Um, you know, who's an Etamelon engineer, uh, if there were any old, uh, any uh, infected Meller on uh, Earth Prime, and he said not since uh, Hitler. Hitler and, and the Jackson performer, the Jackson yeah. Performer. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, That's uh, it's actually in one of the, uh, one of the, <laughs> uh, one of the portal books. No, it's in it's in Fringeworthy D twenty. That's it? where I found it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. All like right. within maybe the first fifteen twenty pages, I think. Okay. But yeah, I'm sitting there when we came up with the subject. I'm like, I remember seeing this, and I'm clicking through the PDF. Found it. Okay, yeah. But yeah, just it. But also, we were talking about the Melor and you know trying to mess 
uh, oh, they were locked down. Well, remember, a lot of the portals were locked down. With, what was it? That logic bomb they set off trying to, so they could get off the world and said they just made things worse. Yep. That could be another way where you have the people trapped on the world and fringe worthiness and the portals all get relegated to myth and legend. Yeah. Yeah, we all- we took the stance later on in our gaming, like early on, the default was that the door would be open unless somebody closed it. Um, but we got to a point where we're like, no, that doesn't make sense. We were like, to us, it makes more sense that it, every door should be locked by default. And the only ones that are open are the ones that have been opened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that's just the easiest thing to do overall to, if nothing else, just control the players from getting in over their heads. Well, it, but it, it, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. It's also good for the campaign because that means that there are going to be worlds right next to where you started out that you don't have access to in, in in the early campaign. So they don't walk around every every platform and look at eight portals and say, well, this one seems interesting. We're just going to ignore the other seven. You know, you, you just take that away from them. And then you then when they become available, you say, go explore that one. And then the GM isn't making up seven new worlds every time you start a new adventure. Right. You know, well, not only that, but but you can that way you can put really cool stuff or, or later campaign stuff right near the uh, right near the beginning, right, right near where, where they're home, yeah. without giving them access to it right away. You you reveal that when the plot needs it. So that's when they get that level of crystal when when the story requires it. Right. Oh, look, right next door is the world that had invented cold fusion. Where was yeah. this 10 years ago? Uh, right. Behind lock, it's always the lock portal. Exactly. Yeah, it's always been there. You just didn't have the crystal that could open it yet. Right. Right. So, you know, we that's why I refer to that as creating an evergreen campaign. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, our, uh, one idea I had, which uh, was, again, working off some of the other ones, is that people love playing people with superpowers. And there are a number of fringe worlds that have superpowered people in it. Um, and there's no reason why those people can't be the basis of a, of a uh, fringe exploration group. Whether, you, you know, for whatever backing you want to give them, you know, maybe... Uh, Maybe they have a non-superhero, or I should say a superhero with no powers, but a, lot, a very deep pocket. Go, has the initials B, uh, BW. <laughs> yeah. What, what is your superpower? I'm rich. Money. Yeah. 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 A trust fund. But yeah. as we all know, Bruce's real super, Batman's real superpower is his brain. Yep. So. Yeah. So, the money you, helps, though. Yeah. The yeah. money, well, the money allows him to execute, you know, his plans. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. I have this great idea, but I can't afford it. So yeah, it's like that doesn't work. So uh, yeah, so that. But anyways, uh, super Peter Parker. But I mean, I, I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Instead of you saying what kind of you know uh, gear can I find or whatever else like that, you start off the game with superpowers. So now you're going to different worlds, and it's you, the 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 you know, superpower group, the you know, the uh, Teen Titans, in essence, with by you know another name, and uh, you get to go and explore worlds and uh, use those powers. You know, I always, uh, I mean, I was a big fan of the uh, uh, the uh, the the League of Superheroes that was you know uh, uh, you know in like the 
50th century or something like that. Oh, yeah, the Legion of Superheroes from D.C. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, and they all had rings of flying. Yep. So, you know, the, in, in addition to their other superpowers, they all could fly. So there was never any of these situations where you had to split the party or someone had to, you know, someone had to carry somebody and stuff like that. So, and, and uh, which made the comic much more uh, exciting because that create a level of parity between a lot of the characters that otherwise just being able to fly wouldn't have. You know. Well, they, they did have the one hero, Ultra Boy, who had several superpowers, but he could only use one at a time, so he could not fly and carry a train. They gave him the flight ring. <laughs> it's like, here, you can fly and do one other thing now. Yeah. <laughs> See, that, yeah, we, that works. Bruce, we, did, we did a campaign where we were all allowed to play some type of superpowered character and they and and you know you could you could pick you know what your origin was i mean ultimately you were a superhero of some kind right but they all came from different different directions um i remember i played a superhero like like a proper superhero who could teleport um someone else was playing a jedi was he a proper superhero because he could teleport or is he <laughs> Well, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying he's he was a superhero, superhero, like from a super world, from a okay, four color okay, okay. super world. Yeah. Uh, someone else was playing a Jedi from Star Wars. Uh, someone else was playing a um, uh, was it a magic? I think a fighter magic user from D and D. Okay. Um, and I can't remember what the fourth person was, but we were it might have been a cyberpunk type character. But basically, we were all allowed to make a character that was would be considered a superhero. In, in you know, if you stuck them on a super world, they'd all be able to get along um, against like super villains. And that was a pretty fun campaign. Uh, it allowed the game master to do some more crazy stuff on the French paths. Like uh, when we went into it, we wound up in, in a hell. Uh, we actually stood a chance, so we we actually made it out. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't one of those things where like, oh crap, we're probably dead. It was more like, oh, uh, all right, we need to find the exit. Um, whereas instead of like, you know, instead of it was it, it was with hope instead of without hope. <laughs> right. But but we also got to do. I mean, we got to do stuff like we took out a group of French pirates. We, um, we were just able to do more exciting stuff than than we would with like normal like hard science characters. Okay. Well, okay, so let's just let's dovetail off of this a little bit. Okay. I mean, you know, I mean, usually most people when they're saying, "Okay, we're going to go explore the fringe pass," and it's and they spend a lot of time tricking out their gear, you know, I want you know, all these different things. So, uh assuming that that can still happen, what superpowers would you want your character to have as part of this super team? Jonathan? Ooh. You only get one. Ooh. You only get yeah, one. that's why. So, that's why I'm going. Like, you, you know what? I'll immediately, just invisibility. That's the first one that comes to mind. That's okay. A, that's a cool idea. Recon and and only interact if you want to. Okay. All right, Trav. Oh, well, I mean, if I wanted to be a real jerk, technopathy, and you know, you could read the fringe system or at least get an idea. It, we're if talking not that, about as an explorer kind of thing. You know, not not yes. not trying. Okay, all right. Well, I'm just saying is that the the goal is not for you to figure out the fringe pass. The goal is to explore the fringe pass. Uh, let's let's take that as you know you're okay. you're creating uh, an exploration team, and you do have access to all, all the modern tech. 
So what superpower would you like your character to have? Well, even then, psychometry would work. I mean, you're going to find all these alien artifacts all over the place. Psychometry is a good one. Yeah, basically yeah. object reading. You know, you pick it up and, you know, like Jeff Goldblum and vibes, you know. Oh, that's the, cool. I, I like yeah. psychometry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. You As find I said, something with all the and alien... you actually can say, yeah. this was an, you know, this civilization destroyed itself. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, you know, I'm just waiting they, for that. Uh, yeah, waiting for that time when you pick up the the un weirdly shaped object. And what is this? You don't want to know. Just put it down. Wash your hands. Just just go. Yeah, away. yeah, yeah. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, but but yeah, with all the alien artifacts, you are going to need a power like that to mm -hmm. find out what it does, who handled it, what it went through. Yeah. So psychometry would work. Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, Blix. All right. Well, I'm gonna tell you, I got I got three, but the first one is 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 uh, is one you don't want only because it sets off the Meller effect, and that would be like um, Mystique's ability to like change shape. Ooh. Don't want that one because you don't want to freak out the other players. So you <laughs> don't like, want shape changing. Oh, okay. no, yeah. I do not want shape. Fuck no, I don't. Want, I'm sorry. You visit well, any old Commonwealth world, and yeah. Yeah. Oh. No. No, I don't want that. All right. No, uh, that's just that, that's just me being funny. But so there's two there's two of them. And it would be hard. I would have to uh, be hard for me to pick between them because all the years that I've played French, where they can see both of these being super handy. Um, the first one would be uh, telepathy, the ability to, not just to be able to talk to each other like mentally, but be able to read minds. So that ah uh, yeah, uh, so that so that when you go into a world and you need to know like oh crap, I need to know things about this world, you could just read people's minds and go okay, this is where we are, this is what we need to say, we come from, and so you know so that you can get through. All of the um, all that hard, like the really hard stuff when you're when you're exploring, um, you know, the stuff of where are you from uh, down the road, the town. Is there a town down that road? Oh, crap. I'm from Canada. Um, but the other one, which would be really cool, would be like super speed, like the flash, mm -hmm. because if you think about it, you know, you guys are on a platform. You could you could say, all right, everybody, wait here. I'll be right back. Zip down to the next platform and go. Look in all the doors, da, 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 and then come back. Okay, we want to forget that one. We're going to go this other way. So I thought that would be really cool, you know, because like a lot of times when you're on, you're on a, a platform and you're like, I don't know, you want to go left, you want to go right, how far down should we go? You know, you're going, it could take you a couple days to get to where you yeah. think you need to go. And if oh, you're yeah. running out of water, food, that could be very mm -hmm. dangerous. But if you got somebody who can like, you know, zip around, they can like, I found some water. Come with me. Yeah, instant scout. All right. Yeah, I think it's interesting that all four, three of you, and, and really all your ideas, all still come down to the same thing, which is reconnaissance. Mm -hmm. You're all basically doing information gathering with mm -hmm. your powers. Okay, I, and it's, mm -hmm. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I think it's interesting that that was the choices you made. Okay. Well, I, well I, think about it, Bruce. I'm it, not, it totally I'm not, makes sense in Fringeworthy, right? I did, of course, it's a game that, that relies upon the control of information. And Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think it's, we, we kind of, in a way, we kind of metagamed it because the three of us have been playing Fringeworthy and running Fringeworthy for that long, where, yeah, we kind of went that route. And it Fair kinda, enough, yeah. I guess it kind of colored our judgment a little. It should. It's, yeah. it's called experience track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> look, let's face it, in Fringeworthy, one of the times that you have met the most stress, right? It's not been 
in the gun battle. That's not been the most stress. It's that's stressful. Don't get me wrong. That sucks. But those are avoidable most of the time if you have knowledge of your situation, right? Right. Yeah. It's running out of water, running out of food. I mean, if if the, if the GM is playing the game right, those should be your big concerns. Like, oh my God, do we have enough? We're gonna have enough water for this trip. Like, where, where are we gonna get water? Like, what if what if you go to what if you're running out of water? And you go down the pathway and you get to a platform and all the doors are locked. Yeah. Right? It's 50 miles back or 50 miles to the next one. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's like, God, are we going to die of thirst? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It can happen <laughs> if you don't bring some equipment to take to, to, to air distill the water. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. You want to hear my idea? Go ahead. Sure. Go. I want the Shatner effect. I want the ability to seduce anything oh god bruce wants to be the bard i i I knew you were going to say that too yes and the reason is is because one of the things that i see so many teams and so many players forget about is making alliances at a local level getting people to to hide the to, to back them up to you know uh, if you have somebody who basically is, is a really strong commitment to you, they will lie for you. They will give you the identity you need. They'll, you know, what they'll, they'll give you the cover you need in order to do your job, in order to get all that information you're talking about. And, you know, and if it happens to be a pleasurable uh, method of, of getting it, well, that's fine, too. You know, <laughs> so Bruce, where, where Batman would be like, I can buy anything I want. You could be like, well, yeah, but people just give me things. I don't have to buy anything. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I just like, uh, I, I have the same thing that you have, but I don't have to work for it. Well, I do have to work for it. I have to work very hard for it. I just don't mind the work. Right. He's, ju- he's just paying with nature's credit card. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. So, and be glad I don't have my phone because I don't think playing the first notes of Marvin Gaye's "Let's Get It On" would be pod safe. Yeah. <laughs> I always like the one. Oh no, I, Blix saw me with the phone. Yeah, yeah I like yeah. the one that goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah." The, the, like the George Takei with "Oh my, yeah, yeah." <laughs> it was the one they were playing all during um, uh, "How to Succeed with Biz- in Business Without Really Trying" with Michael oh, J. Okay. Fox. Where they're all wandering around trying to get into each other's bedrooms and they're playing that thing the whole time. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) So, yeah, because this, you know, because like I said, my my goal is is not different from yours. It's just I, 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 I we're all looking for resources usually, you know, but, you know, I'm I'm co-opting the locals to provide those resources rather than other methods. So that's, and you know, and, and you see the, the ones we chose were not, Hey, I want the ability to strike death into anybody I please. That's not the ones we chose. And that's because we're experienced players of fringe worthy. And we know that, as he's just said, the the real challenges is not winning the, the gunfight. You know, this isn't a run and gun type of campaign, unless you make it that way that way okay you're you know unless you decide to do a fringe pirate type campaign um, yeah. as explorers you know uh gaining and controlling information is your bread and butter and your survival so yeah i just i just think it was interesting that we did that that we went that route so yeah so here we have there's our there's our superhero team folks so why don't you go 
someone someone run this campaign and tell us how it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, all right. The, the Fringeman. Eh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, no, I, I fiddled around with, like, and, and I think Bruce and I and John and Blix back in the day, we came up with, like, an A-team, but they were all fringe races and whatnot, so you had the tactician, the mouthpiece, right. the mechanic, and, you know, the guy who could, you know, pilot vehicles and stuff. Right. The so, A-team yeah, is, a, it, is, a, is a great example of a really functional, skill-based team. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I highly recommend it for most teams. If you have, uh, you should cover all those bases. So, yeah. And, yeah, and it doesn't matter the genre of game. I mean, fantasy, cyberpunk, superhero, right. um, modern military or espionage, all of that. You're, you just need a well-rounded team. I mean, what's the four core class? Fighter, rogue, wizard, cleric. You know, it just, they yeah. cover all the bases. Well, I think even in the, uh, the Leverage RPG, based off the Leverage TV show, that that's pretty much the five classes. The yeah. Mastermind, the Grifter, the... Con, uh, the, the hitter, the the hitter, the thief, and the hacker. Yeah. Right. So you know that's and and they they cover them pretty well. So uh, and and that's one of my favorite shows for that very reason. I personally think that that was a better um, uh, inheritor uh, of it takes a thief than some of the other ones that came out and called themselves it takes a thief. So mm-hmm. yeah. That, uh, I was like, you know, that. So I was so happy when that came up for that reason. I was like, finally, someone got it. Takes a thief, you know, and decided <laughs> to do a modern show based on it, you know. So yeah, it's, uh, you know, uh, I won't try to tell people our audience about it. Takes a thief. Uh, uh, I'm not talking about the movie with Cary Grant. Uh, I'm talking about the television show, um, and. Uh, you know, I'm sure you can probably find it on ReTV or whatever your local version of it is, and it's worth a watch. Uh, though it is, it is a, uh, a a a product of its time, which was like the '70s, right? Uh, it was. So, I, um, you know, I I would say it probably wouldn't hurt the group if you had a brick of some kind, no. you know, for that for for mm-hmm. when it when it's needed. Like, there's gonna come a time where you know the guy who can lift a car. Well, yeah, in the A team that was BA, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And in leverage, it was Elliot. And when they're not needed for the, you know, hitting, they can shift over to another backup role every now and then. Maybe well, they're yeah, like, B- maybe they're like BA the mechanic. Was also a, yeah, BA yeah, the, was the a mechanic, mechanic as well the and a driver. robot. So and that becomes yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's there's ways of getting around that, but yeah. So, and of course, if you have a real mastermind, you never have to real, you have to get into that situation. So, you know, I always said that uh, you don't need to, you don't need to have a brick as long as you have explosives. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah. And explosives travel very well across the fringe path. You know, it doesn't break down or anything like that. All the people that are well, like, can, you know, as long as they don't have an electronic timer, you put a mechanical timer on it. Yeah. And they work great. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction 
and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.